Wrestling fans, it's time to face the facts. Jinder Mahal is the number one contender to the WWE world title. Primo and Epico have buried the shining stars on SmackDown Live. Payback is a house of horrors. Braun Strowman is still a loser. And this is WrestleRant Radio. Welcome to the show. I am Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews bringing you the front to end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nextererawrestling.net. Graham, now that the WWE universe has experienced a seismic reconfiguration and reorganization, a new championship picture emerges for both Raw and SmackDown Live. And while some tensions are still brewing for the Raw side of the company, SmackDown Live is waving the blue flag of opportunity. In your opinion, who has the biggest opportunity right now to become a new champion in the WWE today? Right now, I gotta say it's Jinder Mahal. I mean, it's hard to say right now with Bray Wyatt seemingly not getting his rematch at the Payback pay-per-view for the WWE Championship. It seems that House of Horror matches, that that House of Horrors uh, match, as you had mentioned earlier, will not be for the WWE title, oddly enough. But it looks like Jinder Mahal is in a prime position right now to take that WWE title. I, I never thought I would say that in a million years, coming off one week ago where we ranted on Jinder Mahal knocking out Finn Balor in Monday Night Raw one week later as the new number one contender to the WWE title. But it seems like he is a strong candidate to take that championship. Oddly enough, Randy Orton in a month of backlash. Now, let's take that unfortunate uh, deeper look into the, uh, the path that Jinder Mahal has taken here. We were talking yesterday offline about the fact that Jinder Mahal, a former peacekeeper of his own, uh, a mind and body uh, now seemingly uh, especially with our commentary last week about the damage done to Finn Balor uh, has he abandoned all peaceful relations with himself and others oh long ago I mean if you date back to his alliance with Rusev for many months ago it seemed like he ditched that peacekeeper persona um, in late 2016 ditching that for a more volu- violent nature rather um, on Monday Night Raw and now on SmackDown Live. And look where it got him before. It really was not getting him anywhere other than matches on main event WWE superstars. Now having ditched that uh, that that peacekeeper persona, he is now the new number one contender to that WWE championship. So it worked out well for him. Absolutely. I mean, he is the number one contender having beaten some pretty prominent players in the SmackDown Live roster. Uh, newcomers like Sami Zayn uh, and old stables Dolph Ziggler, Luke Harper, um, Eric Rowan, and even now... Mojo Raleigh, who is in addition to the SmackDown Live roster, um, did who did you honestly see out of all of those contenders walking away with this win initially? Personally, I thought it was going to be Sami Zayn, the one that oddly enough ended up getting pinned by Jinder Mahal to win the matchup, just because he's been, as you had said, a prominent player on SmackDown, involved in last week's main event, came this close to beating AJ Styles and Baron Corbin to clinch that United States Championship match. So I had my money either on Sami Zayn or even Luke Harper. He's been kind of MIA in recent weeks, but he's had his eyes on the prize for quite some time. Now he has history with Randy Orton, but in the end, it was, again, Ginger Mahal, and I think this really goes back to SmackDown being the land of 
opportunity. I mean, they're giving opportunities to people that you never thought in a million years would be going for the WWE title. And that's absolutely true. I mean, I certainly felt like Mojo Raleigh had uh, as much of an opportunity in this matchup to, with all of his hype and energy and the newly focused Luke Harper coming in. But some of these other contenders in this match uh, that we saw on Tuesday night had some uh, pre-existing feuds going, especially Harper and Eric Rowan being very much uh, entwined in their Wyatt roots. Dolph Ziggler and Sami Zayn are no stranger to the confrontation, and the way that Dolph Ziggler pretty much approaches every newcomer these days has been with a, a mouthful of disdain. Leaving Mojo Raleigh and Jinder Mahal kind of the only other two participants in that match that had any kind of just sheer competitive mentality, and I figured between Jinder and Mojo, those would be one of the two people that could pull out a win, but seeing that blue thunderbomb given to Jinder Mahal almost dead center of the ring, I really hoped and dreamed it would be Sami Zayn going for his first WWE championship um, uh, matchup. Unfortunately, Jinder Mahal somehow came out with a win in this match. Uh, I was pretty shocked by that. Uh, thinking about where Jinder has been in the past, being a member of 3MB, um, being a tag partner with Rusev, and now embarking on this, you know, uh, singles competitive Brent. Um, where do you think this stacks up against a competitor like Randy Orton? Well, I mean, first, Randy Orton is not all that focused on Jinder Mahal. Obviously, as we had talked about, he's got Bray Wyatt next Sunday at Payback in the House of Horrors. Whatever that might be, we still have no idea. WWE has given us no inkling of an idea of, as to what that match will consist of, what it's going to be about. So, obviously, Randy Orton's a bit busy right now, kind of overlooking Jinder Mahal. But should he be overlooking Jinder? Again, he does not have the best track record, um, according to my reports and according to my own research. Jinder Mahal, prior to past Tuesday, this past Tuesday, had not won a match on SmackDown in five years, since late of 2012, and now he's the new number one contender to the WWE Championship, and he also has that potential alliance going with the Bollywood Boys, which could play a factor in Mahal coming out on top, um, but yeah, when it comes to Randy Orton, I think he's a different kind of cat, Orton's going up against essentially everyone in WWE, with perhaps the exception of Jinder Mahal. So he's not exactly, he's a fresh face in the main event scene, so we might not know what to expect from the up-and-comer. that, Or if you can really call him that Jinder Mahal. Despite his disgustingly bulging physique, I have not seen a single move set out of Jinder Mahal that suggests to me that he's ready to take on a competitor like Randy Orton. Randy Orton has razor-sharp reflexes. He has a moveset that it goes from brawler to deep technician to RKO in, in, in a heartbeat. And I just don't think that Jinder Mahal has a defining move right now that could really take on the Apex Predator in any kind of way. So are you? do you think, though, that it's possible that Randy Orton's House of Horror matches is going to take something out of him that is going to make him a less competitive champion? Absolutely. I mean, there's only a three-week difference. Payback is next Sunday. I believe Backlash is, in, is in, in, in exactly one month from tomorrow on May 21st. So there's only a three-week difference between the pay-per-views. Randy Orton does not have that much time to prepare. Jinder Mahal has from Tuesday of this past week to Backlash, a near month and a half, to get ready for Randy Orton to kind of prep up, look like a legitimate threat to that title. Randy Orton does not. Um, but when it comes to this matchup, I do think it will take a toll on Randy Orton. He's been to war with Bray Wyatt before. He's going to go to war again next Sunday at Payback in this House of Horrors. Again, we have no exact, we have no idea really what exactly this is going to be. Will it consist of mirrors? Will it be fought in the dark? Will it be fought outside? Will it be fought at all? We really have no idea. So I guess we'll find out. But I got to say the advantage would go to Jinder Mahal in that respect. Absolutely. I, I, I certainly feel like 
this streak that he's on is convincing him that he has what it takes. And sometimes that's more than enough. Um, speaking of, let's stay on the blue brand for a moment here and, and, and talking of people that have such conviction for what they want out of the WWE universe. Charlotte Flair made a very exclamatory presence, her presence known uh, in the middle of the ring, basically demanding title opportunity. Um, now, this was met backstage with Natalia claiming that she was the best there is, the best there was, <laughs> the best there ever will be, uh, which we can, we, I don't really think anyone needs to debate the merit of that statement. Um, however, uh, this was also echoed by Carmella and unfortunately a man with two hands. Um, why, why did Shane decide to give, in your opinion, Charlotte a championship opportunity simply because she asked? Do you think that this is, again, management meddling with people they see as a perceived priority for them because it'll it'll generate more interest than seeing Carmella go up against Naomi at Backlash? I mean, let's go back to last week where we, we were there at SmackDown Live. I mean, where Shane McMahon single-handedly called Charlotte the biggest acquisition in the Superstar Shake-Up coming over for Monday Night Raw last Tuesday. So for her to get her shot almost immediately at the SmackDown Women's Championship does not surprise me in the slightest. She did earn it, though, by beating the champion, but it is interesting to compare Raw and SmackDown. Raw had a fatal four-way number one contenders match on Monday night with Alexa Bliss winning, which we'll get to momentarily. SmackDown on Tuesday, Charlotte beat the champion. So it's a bit different of a way of crowning a new contender, but at the same time, it's kind of leaving the darks of, as you had said, uh, Carmella, Natalia, Tamina Snuka, who just came back, all in the dark. And I assume they'll play some sort of role in the upcoming championship match on Tuesday. It's certainly never going to earn Charlotte any fans or friends backstage, that's for sure. But now that Charlotte has literally nobody, none of the four horsewomen, none of, uh, depending on when uh, Becky Lynch returns, we'll see how that all works out. But she doesn't have anybody that she has a familiarity with, anybody that's going to go out of their way to even interfere in her match. However, now it seems that the rest of the women on SmackDown Live are realizing that if Shane is saying all you had to do was ask for an opportunity, well, I think they're going to start being a lot more vocal about asking for those opportunities, and that's going to put management in a very uncomfortable position. And I have a very strong feeling that Shane McMahon is going to dump all of this problem right onto Daniel Bryan's lap. So I'm sure he will. I can certainly see that happening. But let's jump over to the Raw side because you were mentioning Alexa Bliss now becoming the number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Alexa Bliss defeated in a uh, 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 fatal four-way match Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, and Mickey James. What did you think about the competition in that match? And um, uh, what did you think about Sasha Banks' performance in particular? I thought the entire match on the whole was great. Um, it was so awesome and refreshing to see four fresh faces. And I, mean, I say fresh faces. We've seen Sasha Banks and Nia Jax go for the gold in the past. But to mix it up with the likes of Alexa Bliss and Mickey James, the two biggest acquisitions, the, new, the two newest acquisitions for Monday Night Raw and the Superstar Shake-Up, go up against two Raw established stars in Sasha Banks and Nia Jax. I thought it was great, made for a very fun matchup. And the best part about this, a lot like the six-pack challenge on Tuesday, really any one of these women could have come out on top and earned a shot at the title. Um, it was not predictable in the slightest. It was not like, oh, Sasha Banks is going to win, Alexa Bliss is going to win. It was not all that you know predictable whatsoever. So with Sasha Banks... Um, she put forth a great performance, but she came up short, as she has done time and time again. She came up short at Roadblock. She came up short at WrestleMania. She came up short last night. And you know that's not going to bode well for her in the long term, considering she wants to get her hands on Bailey's Raw Women's Championship. Absolutely. And this streak, even going back to Hell in a Cell with Sasha Banks, you know, it doesn't bode well for her opportunities 
now that she is, you know, firmly going to stay on Raw, she's not going to get any new looks as you might get in the uh, opportunities you would see at SmackDown Live. Mm -hmm. But if Alexa Bliss is coming in with a similar skill set and mindset to Sasha Banks and still edging out over Nia Jax and the tenured Mickey James, then I certainly feel like Sasha Banks has a lot of improvement to do if she wants to really be a contender against Bailey at some point down the line. Do you think we'll see a Sasha Banks Bailey matchup sooner than later? Or is this something that is going to to be in the background of her mind for a while? I don't know if I would say sooner or later. Um, I would probably go with later uh, of the two, just because it seems at this point to be only inevitable that Sasha Banks and Bailey will collide. Uh, best friends turn mortal enemies to go after that, you know, go for the Golden Age Raw Women's Championship. At this point, she's going to have bigger fish to, fish to fry and, and the likes of Nia Jax, Mickey James, now Alexa Bliss pinning her. It's not as if Sasha Banks was not pinned in that match. She was beaten clean in the middle of the ring in that fatal four-way by Alexa Bliss, who is the better woman in her hometown on Monday night. So, in the meantime, before she goes after Bailey's Raw Women's title, which I think at this point, again, it's merely a matter of time. In the meantime, she has some bigger fish to fry with Nia Jax and maybe Mickey James. Well, let's consider the uh, distinct possibility, too, that Alexa Bliss uh, is going to quickly take that title from Bailey because uh, Alexa Bliss has done that time and time again against strong competitors, uh, against competitors like Becky Lynch, who, in my opinion, uh, is is a degree of skill uh, beyond what Bailey is producing right now. Um, but certainly the belt around Bailey's waist says otherwise, and I'm happy to relent on that as well. Um, but let's now jump back over to the blue brand. Um, Charlotte Flair and Naomi are going to be seeing competition against each other. Naomi's looking really strong. It doesn't look like any of her issues with her knee has impacted her current you know, status as champion, although she doesn't quite seem comfortable with the idea that she is the champion she seems very much uh almost a little deflated and that spark of like desire and drive is a little bit more subdued in her have you noticed any of that this week just a little bit i mean with naomi specifically it seems as if her actions have been a bit different since capturing the championship at wrestlemania with charlotte too i mean i think we're seeing a both a new side of both women coming out of the superstar shakeup they're more focused they're more in-ring action driven so to speak they're more uh they're, they're more serious than they have ever been before because both women want to come out of the superstar shakeup as the woman to be on the blue brand yeah absolutely so you know do you think naomi has a, a a decent desire or chance to hold on to this belt for a long time or is someone like charlotte flair going to walk right into smackdown live and take it right off of her and naomi will have to go back to fighting for that championship which it seems like that might be the best kind of place for her as a competitor. She seems a little too uncomfortable with the idea of success in some way. And that's come across since her appearances on Talking Smack, now this week on SmackDown Live, and last week kind of being eclipsed as a champion with the arrival of Charlotte Flair. Um, I certainly have all the respect in the world for Naomi as the in-ring competitor that she is, but a champion's life is a little bit more than that, and Charlotte has lived that life more than Naomi has. So, will we see Charlotte Flair as champion? Maybe not right away, but soon enough, and Naomi has a huge target on her. But you mentioned something about uh, the, you know, the superstar shakeup and uh, new competition coming in to both brands. 
we saw something brand new, a fresh coat of paint um, on uh, the former shining stars. Now back to their roots, uh, back to the core of what made them successful as Primo and Epico. Um, they defeated American Alpha. American Alpha has not been doing well lately. What's it going to take for American Alpha to get back on track? And what do you think of this new iteration, this new uh, uh, version of Primo and Epico? Well, to answer your second question first, I could not be happier to see Primo and Epico go back to their roots as the Colognes uh, go back to their family roots. I mean, their their uncle, their father is a WWEC uh, former champion, a, a current WWE Hall of Famer. Their cousin Carlito and Primo's brother Carlito are uh, you know, a former season champion in his own right in the WWE. So they have success as Primo and Epico dating back years and years and years. Um, I think it is safe to say that Primo and Epico, having been with the company for so long, could be viewed as damaged goods, but I think a part of the reason why they were being held back for as, as long as they were was that Shining Stars nickname, being the timeshare salesman, which was absolutely atrocious. So bringing them to SmackDown, giving them, as you had said, a fresh coat of paint, a new lease on life, so to speak, I think has really worked out wonderfully for them so far. It's only been a week, but I thought that was a great start. With American Alpha, I'm not sure what it's going to take to get these guys back on track, having lost to the Usos countless times, now to the Shining Stars, what will it take for these guys to get refocused and set their sights back in their stack team titles? I think one of the things that, that American Alpha has become complacent with is their dynamic between how Jason Jordan wrestles in a ring and the uses that they put on uh, – uh, I'm sorry. Chad Gable in the ring is a different technician than Jason Jordan's use as a tag team partner. They're currently starting most of their matches with Gable, right? And Gable is taking the brunt of a lot of that early energy and all of that exhaustion and then waiting for that hot tag to get Jason Jordan in the ring and clear house and rip off the suspenders and, and go for the big finish, right? But that's become pretty predictable, I feel. You know, a lot of their their tried and true that was working for them in NXT and their early success coming into the the main roster scene has now kind of exposed some of their obvious weak points to see Primo and Epico get a defeat over American Alpha says a lot not only about the preparation that Primo and Epico put in but about American Alpha in general do you think that American Alpha is a tag team champion caliber team right now that could stand next to their Hardy's counterpart on the Raw brand? I think the key word there, I was going to say yes automatically to the first part of your question, but when you said right now, no. I mean, having come up short to the Usos and, and the Shining, or excuse me, Primo and Epico several times in recent weeks, I would say no, they're not there quite yet, but I think complacent is the perfect word to describe these two right now. I mean, they were elated to be on the SmackDown Live roster when they were drafted last July, but that's not enough. They got to prove that they are worthy of not only getting to the main roster, but staying on the main roster. Two very, very different things. They're former tag team champions, but they cannot rest on their laurels. They have to get back to what made them a competitive tandem to, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, be competitive on the SmackDown brand to begin with. They have to go back to their roots. So hopefully we see that before long um, and, and they get back in the tag team championship scene by picking up victory after victory, hopefully over avenging the loss to the Shining Stars or Primo Epico, rather, and then eventually the Usos. And I think if they if they think true to the roots of their name as American Alpha, right, they need to be innovative, they need to be inspiring, and they need to have that alpha 
top dog mentality that's going to get it done. And what's going to do that is innovation. It's going to be debuting new movesets. It's going to be going outside of their comfort zone and bringing in other styles and being more adaptive and growing in that way that's going to get them that tag team title. Sometimes that journey for some teams leads them to be total bad guys. And I don't think American Alpha wants that for their future at all. So they're going to have to do this the hard way. They're going to have to put in all the work, continue to redesign and reclaim their complacency and go forward if they want to truly be champions. But speaking of champions, the Raw Tag Team Champions, Jeff and Matt Hardy, the Hardy Boys, are back in into their the into the vibe of everything right away. Uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy coming from all uh, walks of the unknown now into the WWE as a very uh, bright and refined kind of uh, uh, legacy. Uh, they saw some singles competition this week where Jeff Hardy took on Cesaro, came up with a big win. Do you, do you see, uh, in addition to their tag team career, is this a sign that as singles competitors, they also have what it takes to be major players once again in the WWE. I mean, most definitely. I mean, look who we're talking about here. The, the, the Hardy Boys. Not only, not only are one of the, 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 the greatest tag teams of all time having won tag team titles, the only tandem of all time in WWE wrestling history to have won tag team championships in the WWE on Raw, SmackDown, TNA, Ring of Honor, let alone in the matter of a month. Um, not only that, but they are seasoned single stars as well. Jeff Hardy, this was his first Raw match, as they mentioned on Monday, in over seven years on Monday Night Raw, a one-on-one affair. And I thought he did really, really well for himself. A former WWE champion, a former World Heavyweight champion, Matt Hardy, a former ECW champion, a United States champion in his own right. So I don't want to say anytime soon. They just came back two, three weeks ago. But hopefully at some point down the line, we could see these guys branch back off in a singles competition. It's very interesting that Kurt Angle would would basically create this match knowing that they're a brand new tag team back in the WWE. You know, does management once again only see what they want to see in, in some of these competitors? And, you know, it certainly leaves Matt Hardy to the sideline role in this position. And that has been known to create tension between the Hardys in the past. So is this uh, meddling, you know, going to be for the best or... or you know, just on the cusp of us believing that tag team wrestling was making a strong return, is Kurt Angle the right kind of general manager to focus on tag team wrestling? I think so. I think so far we've seen quite a bit of great tag team wrestling showcase on Monday Night Raw from the Hardy Boys to Cesaro and Sheamus, Enzo and Cass. We had the club in action on Monday night. I know the Revival recently got hurt, unfortunately, but they will be back in full force eventually. Heath Slater and Rhino made an appearance on Monday night, so I think Kurt Angle is the right GM to reinstill tag team wrestling, or rather, importance to tag team wrestling, having been a former tag team champion himself. Well, Angle uh, was uh, found himself in a bit of hot water this week as well. He sticks his nose right in everybody's business. As he should, and he certainly has the backbone and, and profile to do so. But Braun Strowman uh, uh, came out at the the top of uh, Monday Night Raw this week and made as many you know uh, kind of weak statements as he possibly could because you know he truly believes that there's no one out there to confront him. Meanwhile, he's injured the only person and put out of action the big dog Roman Reigns, uh, the only person really coming out there and giving him any business. And Braun Strowman is basically given the night off by Kurt Angle, uh, to which uh, he's terrorizing once again like he did on uh, on SmackDown, like he's, he's done on Raw. Uh, he's terrorizing people at the cost of anyone that gets in his way until he run afoul 
of the big show. Now, what did you make about Kurt Angle confronting Braun Strowman and just telling him he had the night off? Did Kurt really think that was going to go his way? I mean, he's still early on in his stint as general manager, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm sure he, he has not been watching the program since returning or prior to returning to WWE, so I'm not sure he knows exactly what Braun Strowman is capable of. Um, but it only led to more havoc from Braun Strowman in the remainder of the evening, of course, taking out the Golden Truth, Kalisto picking a fight with the Big Show, who he pushed to his limit in the main event of the night of Monday Night Raw. So Kurt Angle, not the wisest decision he's made since coming back to Monday Night Raw, but I thought it was uh, well necessary. At least he confronted Braun Strowman. He didn't back away. He wasn't scared to go out there. I hate to bury Mick Foley. Um, hope he's doing well with his hip surgery, by the way. I know he had hip surgery just yesterday. But um, at least he had the intestinal fortitude to go out there and confront Braun Strowman and, you know, uh, you know, tell him what it's about, you know, tell him, you know, that he's the man in charge and you will not bully me out of my own show. Well, we'll see how much of a full-time job Kurt Angle has on his hands managing just Braun Strowman alone. But uh, let's flash forward all the way to the end of Raw, uh, since we're talking about the big show and Braun Strowman. Um Braun Strowman uh, constantly claims that no one is there to give him any competition, yet pretty much, you know, any of the bigger competition in the WWE, Roman Reigns, uh, The Big Show, just to name a few people of recent who have walked right up to Braun and put him on his heels. Um, and this match was no different. We have seen The Big Show and Braun Strowman before uh, compete in a match, and this time, we saw uh, a, a catastrophic end to the evening where the Big Show and Braun Strowman completely demolished the entire WWE Raw ring, uh, basically knocked it off its foundation. Um, the referee looked like he took a hell of a bump on that on that one, um, and it was a, it was a it was almost an inevitable surprise, but still a surprise uh, to see something that destructive out of the two of them. Uh, the match ended in a no contest, but much like Braun Strowman's uh, losing streak, it certainly didn't produce a win that favors him as a stronger competitor, even against the Big Show. So where does this leave Braun Strowman? Where does this leave Big Show? For Big Show, I mean, it's it remains to be seen. I watched the WWE.com exclusive video where he was helped out of the arena by officials, so hopefully he's okay coming out of this attack or really, as you said, catastrophic ending to Raw on Monday night. With Braun Strowman, he has never looked stronger. Yes, he is still a loser, but at the same time, I mean, he is the man to beat um, for all intents and purposes on Monday Night Raw. He's taken out Braun Strowman. He inflicted that vicious attack on Roman Reigns just last week, and they have their match set for payback next Sunday, so... Strowman, win, loser, draw at payback next week. He is the guy to be on Mondays. And I love the fact he's been, you know, inflicting as much damage and as much pain on the entire Raw roster, showing, you know, you know, being big is one thing, but to assert your dominance is an entirely different thing. He is the bully that WWE should be afraid of at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, nobody can talk to him if, if Braun doesn't want you to talk to him. Exactly. And it's in an entirely different vein than how people approach Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar it almost seems very approachable in comparison to the way that Braun Strowman acts, and he has no advocate, mouthpiece, or anything around him, mm -hmm. nor do I think that anyone would do well being Braun Strowman's mouthpiece. I think he would; they would constantly get squashed into the ground. So knowing that um, and knowing what we have coming up um, the, at Payback, do you believe that the match that has been made by 
general manager Kurt Angle that will see Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Do you think that this is Braun's chance to actually become a winner again? Yeah. I mean, this could be absolutely his opportunity, the optimal opportunity for him to right that wrong from Fastlane when he came up short when he should not have. Um, I still believe that was the wrong move to make. But Braun Strowman could rectify that by beating Roman Reigns. And if there's any time to do so, it would be a payback. I mean, Roman Reigns again, was beaten down beyond belief last week and that just amazing, awe-inspiring attack on Monday Night Raw. So going into payback, Roman Reigns will be a broken man. And if he can walk into payback, if he could show up at all, Roman Reigns is at a disadvantage. But then again, we've seen Roman overcome the odds before. He literally just retired The Undertaker. So we're not just talking about any ordinary wrestler on the roster. This is Roman Reigns here. But if anyone can slay the big dog, so to speak, tame the big dog, it would be Braun Strowman. Well, I absolutely agree that the big dog Roman Reigns is going to come out on top here. I'm a huge Roman Reigns fan right now, um, and especially with everything that Braun has done to throw Roman off of his path to becoming the universal champion, I think that this is, is just another roadblock in Roman Reigns' way, and he will blast through that with a Superman punch straight to face. Um, but let's talk about payback a little bit uh, coming up. At Payback, we've talked a little bit about the House of Horrors match, which is now a uh, non-title match. Uh, it's going to see uh, Randy Orton facing Bray Wyatt in something strange um, and very odd to see if the WWE, these two former champions, current and former champions, uh, going at each other on a Raw show. We'll see how that works out and what kind of uh, negotiations are going on backstage. We've already talked about Bailey taking on Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship, but something we haven't talked about uh, a, a ton of in the last two weeks is Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe. They seem to be somewhat conducting their own business uh, outside of the WWE universe almost. Uh, the, the things going on between the two of them seem to have transcended um, just what's going on in the ring. There seems to be a legitimate um, agenda on Samoa Joe's side, and Seth Rollins just continues to uh, uh, poke the bear, uh, so to speak. What do you think about this this kind of story that's happening in the WWE that it almost seems to be eclipsed by everything else that's going on? Superstar shakeups and titles uh, on the line on a Tuesday night, on a Monday night. Um, you know, big matches being made on the spot, and here we have the former predominant dominating champion Seth Rollins taking on the destroyer Samoa Joe uh what, what do you make of the whole relationship and scenario right now well in relation to the fact that it's been kind of overlooked by everything else going on in Raw right now I think it really kind of goes to show how stacked the Raw scene is right now people will complain about how tedious and how boring the show can get at times when you have Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe in a top tier high profile high profile program on Monday nights kicking off Raw that just kind of goes to show how star-studded Raw is at the moment. But that being said, it's a feud I've been heavily invested in. These guys work very well together. It's a feud that makes sense. I mean, Seth Rollins three months ago got laid out by Samoa Joe, cost him two months of his career, almost cost him his match at WrestleMania due to Samoa Joe. And now that Triple H has been knocked out of the picture, now we can focus on destroying the destroyer Samoa Joe before hopefully getting back in contention for that Universal Championship. So it makes perfect sense. But let's not underestimate Samoa Joe. He decimated Chris Jericho on Monday, knocked him out in clean fashion. Jericho likely on his way out after the match with Kevin Owens at Payback next week. 
Um, so that being said, Samoa Joe and Chris Jericho is no Titus O'Neil. He's no Bo Dallas. He's a former six-time world champion in his own right. So a win over Jericho means quite a bit. For Samoa Joe to pick up, or over Jericho, excuse me, means quite a bit. So for Samoa Joe to score that victory meant a lot in regards to his momentum heading into that match with Seth Rollins at Payback. So speaking of Chris Jericho, he's going to be taking on Kevin Owens for the United States Championship at Payback. Now, one of the stipulations in addition to potentially winning the United States title again is that should Chris Jericho win, he would switch brands and now be a SmackDown live competitor. Um, obviously Kevin Owens would then have Sami Zayn and Chris Jericho both pretty much in his, uh, you know, living room, so to speak, uh, if this were the Kevin Owens show proper, um, what do you make of the fact that Chris Jericho just got, as you said, destroyed by Samoa Joe and is now basically a championless, uh, competitor going up against a very healthy Kevin Owens who has not really had to see much competition in the last two weeks. And we'll talk about his, uh, you know, the face of America open challenge in just a moment. But what, what are, what is Chris Jericho going to have to do here to pull out a win over Kevin Owens at payback? Well, I was going to say Owens did have that hard fought match on Tuesday night against Gary Gandy. You know, the illustrious Gary Gandy. We'll get to that moment. The household name, the household name, Gary Gandy. Um, but that being said, I mean, Owens, I mean, not to say that Jericho has the advantage going into this match. I mean, experience-wise, he does. But Owens has been a bit busy as of late as well. I mean, as you had said, he's got Sami Zayn in his sights on the same show on SmackDown Live. You've got Chris Jericho on Raw. But at the same time, he also has AJ Styles in his rearview mirror, who recently became the number one contender to the United States Championship, commentating his match on SmackDown this past week in the main event against Baron Corbin. So he's got a few potential challengers right now, does Kevin Owens. Is he entirely fixated on Chris Jericho is my question. I would seem It would seem so from what we've seen up to this point. Um, but yeah, Jericho, not to say he's a broken man, but he has to pull something off on Monday to get a final boost of momentum before he goes up against Owens, a payback for that United States championship. Absolutely. So if, if that's what it's going to take for Chris Jericho to become a champion again and get his foot back in the door as a prominent member of a brand, um, you know, to, to continue adding names to his list, I think that Jericho will see uh, prominence and prosperity going forward if he can get this win. I think that's the kind of change that has always elevated Chris Jericho to do more, to be more, to be out in front of every single person there. And it's losses in matches and scenarios like this that has seen him leave the WWE entirely. So will we see Jericho win and continue to prosper in the WWE and rub it in the face of his former best friend, Kevin Owens? Or will we see a defeated Chris Jericho hang his head and potentially hang his boots? Uh, It's happened before, and we've seen him come and go in the past. This, This entire tenure of the new Chris Jericho has been nothing short of a treat and an absolute pleasure, but we know... The life of a wrestler cannot go on indefinitely as much as they all want it to be that way the entire time. But you had mentioned Baron Corbin. Now, this week, AJ Styles took on Baron Corbin in a one-on-one singles competition match. 
Now, AJ Styles uh, is is still kicking around, and now that he's lost out of an opportunity to be the number one contender, for what reason I can't even explain. I, he, I, I guess it goes all the way back to uh, you know his match with Shane, and they seemingly ended on good terms, but he doesn't seem to be too interested in giving AJ Styles another opportunity to get to where AJ Styles had already gotten. He had already earned those opportunities and those were taken away from him by management. And now management is putting him up against people like Baron Corbin, people who can really lay a hurt on him and then want to lay a hurt on him. Now, AJ Styles came out with a, a, a win here via countout. Um, what did you think were the strengths and weaknesses on both sides of this match? A classic David versus Goliath style matchup with Baron Corbin. Again, who should not be taken lightly. I know AJ Styles, a former world champion, everywhere he has wrestled, but Baron Corbin has yet to capture a single championship in his pro wrestling career, but still, he has been a force to be reckoned with on SmackDown Live over the past nine months, and that was very evident on full display this past week when he took on AJ pushed him to his absolute limit and came on the was on the verge of victory on multiple occasions in this contest. So again, Baron Corbin, I thought had a very strong showing here. AJ Styles ultimately emerging victorious, albeit via countout, but still it was enough to maintain that momentum heading into his upcoming championship clash with Kevin Owens, presumably at the backlash pay-per-view when he got when he vies for the United States Championship. But with Baron Corbin, I do think he is one to watch with Bray Wyatt the Miz, both moving over to Monday Night Raw. AJ Styles seemingly embracing the audience more so now than before WrestleMania. I think Baron Corbin will be the new top dog to uh, to be reckoned with again on, on the SmackDown Live brand going forward. That that absolutely seems like the type of competition that AJ Styles has always been talking about. This is the, Baron Corbin could be a competitor that AJ Styles, much like John Cena, has to continue doing underhanded tactics to get something over on this guy. Baron Corbin, uh, his biggest flaw right now is his ego. Baron Corbin's ego is not as refined as AJ Styles, and his aggression takes hold, and that's where the mistakes come in, and that's where a, a person like AJ Styles thrives. AJ Styles is the WWE championship material that they have been waiting for, and to see him go up against someone like Baron Corbin uh, you know, is just another pillar in his way to becoming that big of a champion and and no matter what count out aside AJ Styles still comes up with a win here and that's the difference between someone like AJ Styles and Braun Strowman AJ Styles does not have to be the biggest person in the room the st- the toughest person the most dastardly competitor to be the best there is in the WWE today um, but let's talk about one of the best there is in the WWE today and I am am of course talking about the Face of America Open Challenge competitor known as Gary Gandy. What an incredible uh, uh, showing from Gary Gandy um, going out there and just expertly taking a uh, pop-up powerbomb by Kevin Owens straight in the middle of the ring for a 1-2-3 and I think less than 30 seconds, something like that. Record-setting. Record-setting loss for Gary Gandy in his Face of America Open Challenge. Now, I do want to say something about Kevin Owens. Um, This is not his idea. And the the, the uh, United States Open Challenge is something that John Cena started, brought to prominence, was one of the greatest uh, innovations that John Cena has introduced to the WWE, in my opinion. And his run as WWE United States Champion was honestly my absolute favorite John Cena I have ever seen in the ring. And he, he was the champion for the United States title. If he had held on to that for the rest of his career, I would believe it. <laughs> Every single day, being the strongest WWE champion of all time 
as the United States champion. It would have been incredible. That's not the case. Kevin Owens is our WWE United States champion, having beaten Chris Jericho. Um, what do, what do you think? Do you think that this is the only time we're going to see this Face of America Open Challenge? Kevin Owens is not known for sticking to much of any kind of programming. Um, uh, he, the Kevin Owens show is is a bit chaotic at best. Um, and why Gary Gandy? What what again? These are these are designs made by management, a management who is now rewarding opportunities to people like Jinder Mahal to. Baron Corbin, and now Kevin Owens is being fed minor competitors from local territories and things like that. What do you make of of this trend here? First of all, I I, I could have sworn I worked I, I saw uh, Gary Gandy working at a local stop and shop down the road from here. But either that's neither here nor there. I mean, Gary Gandy, top of the line competitor, not really. But when it comes to Kevin Owens, um, it doesn't matter whether he chose Gandy to be his opponent on Tuesday or whether management approved it. Either way, it does not reflect well on Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan. So hopefully going forward, the idea is that Kevin Owens will start out small with unknown competitors and then work his way up the ladder. Today it's Gary Gandy. Tomorrow might be Sin Cara. And then you work your way up from there. I mean, Kevin Owens being a former Universal Champion knows what it's like to brush you know, brush along with the top-tier stars of the WWE from Roman Reigns to Seth Rollins, Chris Jericho, Owens has faced them, he has beaten them, and hopefully going forward as United States champion, he will show the same resolve that he did with the Universal Championship a couple of months ago. Absolutely. Well, you know, not not to spend all, all of our time uh, specifically talking about Kevin Owens and the direction he's going in. He's got a payback match. We're going to talk about that coming up next week as we get into everything that's going on with payback, and that becomes just even that much more clearer, especially on this House of Horrors side of things. But let's talk about another champion. Let's talk about new Raw incoming Intercontinental Champion Dean Ambrose, who made an, a, a remarkably well-refined appearance on Miz TV uh, until about halfway through, which is usually, you know, that's a pretty good ratio for Miz TV. Um, the Miz uh, came out uh, looking, you know, all red everything, and uh, Maurice by his side. Uh, Dean Ambrose really paid him no mind or respect whatsoever. Do you think that this is a match that could potentially get added to payback? And uh, with the way that things have been going or have been booked over on the rod side, do you think this is going to be the pre-show? I would assume so. I mean, when you look at the card right now, we have our, we have a lot of matches as it stands for payback currently. I think at last check, we have seven or eight matches like right now, and that's not even counting the Intercontinental Championship. So. I would hate to see Neville and Austin Aries bump to the pre-show again. I know they would kill it, but I would really hate for that to happen. I don't think it will. Um, so that said, I mean, if Ambrose and Miz gets added to the card, quite honestly, if they get added to the kickoff show, it wouldn't surprise me, nor would it really upset me. I know Ambrose was just in the kickoff show last month at WrestleMania or earlier this month, but really, as entertaining as these two are together, whether it be as opponents, as partners, whatever... We literally just saw this two or three months ago. I don't know whether it's a management thing. Maybe Kurt Angle wasn't watching SmackDown before the Hall of Fame ceremony because we just saw these two up against each other on SmackDown in late January, early December of last year as well. So it's nothing new. Well, speaking of people that we've seen a lot of interaction with uh, or or between, especially recently, uh, TJ Perkins had a match uh, on Monday against the gentleman Jack Gallagher. Uh, T.J. Perkins defeated uh, Gallagher and was greeted once again by the king 
uh, champion Neville. Do you believe that there is a side of TJ Perkins that believes that if he continues to align himself with Neville, then he will be able to backhandedly get a match against Neville and take the title off of his shoulders? What, what do you think his play is? Because Jack Gallagher is certainly a formidable competitor uh, for someone like TJ Perkins, but is not quite a cruiserweight champion in my mind yet. Where do you, where do you feel like, what what do you feel like Jack Gallagher is at as far as being a championship ready competitor? Well, in regards to Perkins, I don't think we have ever seen two bad guys in WWE that were truly best friends. I mean, you look at Jericho, Kevin Owens was using Chris Jericho that entire time. You look at Alexa Bliss and Mickey James from a couple of months ago. Mickey James solely agreed to help Alexa just so she can get her shot at the women's championship at WrestleMania. So when it comes to TJ Perkins and Austin Aries, I wholeheartedly believe this is only in the end to award Perkins a future shot at that championship. I mean, I know he lost to Austin Aries on 205 Live on Tuesday, but he did beat the number one contender the week before that on Raw when it mattered most. So maybe he gets added to the championship conversation coming out of payback. When it comes to Jack Gallagher, um, we saw the same match at 205 Live when we were there last week. Had a great showing. Jack Gallagher is a top-of-the-line talent, has a ton of potential. He's not there quite yet, I do like the idea of maybe kind of going back to his roots to NXT. I know next week on the show, he's challenging Tyler Bate for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. So going back to his roots and challenging kind of a lesser-known competitor at this point in time might be what's best for Jack Gallagher being a big fish in a small pond over there as opposed to floundering on Monday Night Raw. Absolutely. No, and Jack Gallagher, is, for all of his strengths, he uses a lot of distraction type tactics uh, in order to get closer to his opponent. Whereas TJ Perkins is so lightning fast that it's sometimes a bit of a mismatch. However, like you were saying at payback, we are going to see TJ Perkins uh, um, probably at the uh, potentially at the side or involved in some way in Neville's potential victory over Austin Aries. What do you think of the potential of TJ Perkins playing a hand and coming in between Austin Aries' pursuit of the Cruiserweight Championship. Well, you would think it would be the other way around because Neville did single-handedly beat Austin Aries clean at WrestleMania without any help. And now that he has TJ Perkins, the odds of him beating Austin Aries again are pretty high. Pretty high. You would think that hopefully... Or what was odd to me watching 205 Live on Tuesday was that Jack Gallagher did not come to the aid of Austin Aries. Um, So hopefully the odds are evened at some point between now and payback. So Austin Aries does have some sort of help and he's not outnumbered by TJ Perkins and and, and Neville. Because if that's the case, you know Neville will retain his title. So hopefully Austin Aries does get some assistance in the weeks to come. Absolutely. Now, uh, no longer champions. Um, The uh, team of Lou Gallows and Carl Anderson took on Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Now, they're not scheduled to be part of of payback uh, as it stands right now. Potentially we will see some kind of pre-show matchup uh, that involves more of the raw side tag teams, but currently for payback, it's going to be the Hardy boys, uh, the raw tag team champions versus Sheamus and Cesaro, former uh, tag team champions. Um, But with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson still defeating Enzo and Cass, still defeating plenty of opponents. What's the program for them? You know, what, what did they need to do to get in the Hardy's face right now? For the club, I mean, for me personally anyway, I was really hoping they would be sent to SmackDown in the Superstar Shake-Up to mix it up or even potentially reunite with AJ Styles. Of course, it didn't happen. 
Um, but maybe now that they're on the same show still as Finn Balor, and he's back, he's been cleared to compete, maybe we see something between them down the line. So maybe their sights aren't exactly set right now on the tag team titles. I mean, they should be. They got the rematch, then at the WrestleMania, they fell short of victory. So maybe in the back of their mind, that's kind of on the, on the back burner right now for the club, for Gallows and Anderson are the tag team titles. But for the immediate future, hopefully, as long as they're not lost in the shuffle, I would like to see them get involved with Finn Balor at some point in the very near future. Absolutely, and I don't think that Gallows and Anderson necessarily need championships on their shoulders Agreed. at this moment mm-hmm. to continue to be a dominant tag team. They are continu- They are they are uh, outside of the Hardy Boys and Sheamus and Cesaro. They are becoming one of the top three, if not the top two tag teams in the WWE because they they just have so much versatility. They have uh, you know a, a big man presence. They have a quick technical presence, and they're both brawlers at heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everything that they brought from New Japan, from the Bullet Club, that level of aggression, and now with the tactical uh, kind of focus that they have, they're clearly putting Enzo Amore and Big Cass on the shelf, and they've done that time and again. And now, like you mentioned, Finn Balor... Um, thankfully, uh, not uh, horrifically brained uh, by Jinder Mahal is, is is continuing on with his uh, his goofy smile and his very serious and stoic stare that he gives into the ring as he emerges from the back uh, to defeat none other than the Kurt Hawkins. Um, that was a quick match, but it was it was really great to see Finn Balor come out and compete against someone. However, compare for me real quick. The difference in the matchup, in, in the quickness, length of match, difficulty of that match between Finn Balor beating Kurt Hawkins and Finn Balor beating Jinder Mahal. Didn't feel like that to me that he beat Jinder Mahal last week. It feel like felt like he survived Jinder Mahal. What do you think the difference is, and do you think that Finn Balor is going to continue running uh, into Kurt Hawkins going down the line? He could. I mean, Kurt Hawkins has had some issues with the new members of the Raw roster, whether it be Big Show last week or Finn Balor this week. So that could be an extended program uh, for the immediate future. Because for right now, it doesn't feel like Finn Balor really has... Not to say that he doesn't have a, a cemented place on Monday Night Raw. It seems like he's kind of spinning his wheels until he can find something that he can sink his teeth into. Well, we did see him and Bray Wyatt kind of cross paths to an extent last week on Raw. So maybe when Wyatt's done with Randy Orton, we'll see those two mix it up beyond payback. But for right now, um, for Jinder Mahal, like you had said, that was more of a hard-fought contest for Finn Balor. That was far from a squash, as they say. This was more of a squash on Monday between Balor and Kurt Hawkins. So maybe Kurt Hawkins will come back next week, call out Finn Balor again as he has did, as he had done with uh, Dean Ambrose over on SmackDown a few months ago. Kurt Hawkins, for as many things as you could say about him, he is one resilient guy. So maybe we see a rematch on Raw, but beyond that, maybe Finn Balor does. You know, he still does have his rematch for the Universal Championship. So hopefully, it is not long before we see him go back for the gold. Absolutely. No, it would be uh, it would be absolutely stunning to see Finn Balor going against anyone, potentially even the Universal Champion down the line. Um, that would be an incredible. Uh, David and Goliath type matchup Brock there. Lesnar, Finn Balor, sign me up. I mean, come on, that's 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 money all day long. Agreed. Money in the bank, as it were. Graham, uh, final thoughts on Raw, SmackDown, and everything WWE this week. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, I, I gotta say, I think Raw and SmackDown both. Just, I mean, being a WWE fight high diehard, excuse me, it might sound like I'm just being too positive, but it seems like both shows. For as many faults as they have at the moment, seem like they have taken a turn for the better since WrestleMania, whether it be a new regime, debuting talent, returning talent, 
whatever the case might be. Um, I thought both brands really brought their A game on Monday and Tuesday, respectively. And actually, he's been heating up next week. Drew McIntyre versus Andrade Cien Almas. We got for the United Kingdom Championship, as I said earlier, Jack Gallagher versus Tyler Bate. So the scene for NXT Raw SmackDown is heating up at the moment, and I'm excited. Well, you can't make an omelet without having a superstar shakeup. That's for damn sure. It has been a very tumultuous uh, kind of pool of competitors splitting up, coming together, and the focus now is going to be on payback. We will be focused on payback all next week, and then looking beyond, this has been WrestleRant Radio. Radio.